Good morning. Good morning. So, I know Mike's not here. They're on their way back. We decided to have church anyway. What do you think? Good? All right. The title of this series, Anxious for Nothing. Ah, doesn't that sound good? It feels a little bit like a pipe dream at times to not be anxious for anything. But that's what we're here to talk about. Um, there's anxiety disorders are, are heavy, heavy topics. And uh, it's nothing to laugh about. But on that note, I've got a few uh, questions for you. You may or may not find funny. So the first one is, why does the brain experience so much anxiety? Brady, you should know the answer to that. Because it's part of the nervous system. <laughs> All right. Second one. Why did the grasshopper go to the doctor? He was a little jumpy. <laughs> and what do you call a dinosaur with an anxiety disorder? A nervous rex. <laughs> All right, I'll stop. I've got, I got some more, but they get worse. I'll tell you, that anxious for nothing, my month has just been kind of overwhelming. I, I don't know, some of you may know, I've gone back to college and I'm doing that online. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, I never, really, uh, I never really understood why people um, complained that uh, college was taking over their life. These professors, they just don't get it. You know, I have a life. <laughs> I have a wife, children, a job. Phew. But anyway, it's been a little bit overwhelming um, Nikki Price was here this morning and, and it was commenting yesterday. She posted a, a picture and it was, it said me, you know, there's a little balloon next to her. I stand out on this beautiful beach and it said me, but then right there, just short, short distance away was this tidal wave getting ready to crash over and, and the tidal wave was labeled my to-do list. <laughs> and I, I told underneath it, I comment, commented on Nikki's post and I said, yeah, but don't be anxious about it because, <laughs> uh. It certainly does feel a little bit overwhelming um, in my life. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm not really an anxious, worrying type personality. I always kid around that that's my wife's job. You know, I just, I just try to be optimistic. But uh, I've got this funny little thing that I do about 3.30 in the morning. And I wake up and uh, basically I'm like this. <laughs> Everything that I have to do in the next six months starts crashing into my mind and uh, it's like my my armor is off or something I just I'm very vulnerable in the middle of the night and I, I don't sleep good because of it because if I wake up for anything any noise whatsoever um, the worry is on I mean and it it I have to say it, it ruins my nights most of the time I wake up exhausted um, if I'm able to go back to sleep which I'm not a lot of times I have to get up and just lay on the couch and hope for the best but it's just a it's the debilitating really I mean I just I get crushed by it and then the funny thing is six o'clock comes and I'm up making coffee and I'm fine I don't know what it like I said it's like I'm I'm, I'm I don't want to use the word naked oh wait I just used the word naked but I'm exposed I'm vulnerable when I'm tired and when I'm sleepy so um, this series has been uh, one of the most it's a godsend for me I've really struggled with this anxiety issue in the middle of the night and uh, honestly the world's not helping I mean there's just a lot of crazy stuff going on I was talking to coach Charles 
as he was leaving this morning, and he said, yeah, it's almost as if everybody wants you to join them in their anxiety. And uh, we've, we're seeing very successful people just destroyed by their anxiety. I mean, we saw someone who was very famous um, take her own life last night, and uh, it, um, one of the, the mother, Judd, and you just look, hey, you have to look, and you say, yeah, they have everything going for them. They were to be honored today. But it's not just uh, famous people. It's, it's not so famous people. Children ha- have been impacted by anxiety like I've never seen before. And it just breaks my heart. And uh, my little episodes at night are nothing compared to what some people are going through. And we don't want to come up here and say, God is the answer to all your problems with anxiety. Because honestly, sometimes it's, it's, it's physical it's, it could be a chemical imbalance. It could be medicine that you're on might cause anxiety. And there's a lot of contributing factors besides just an attack from the devil. You know, there's other things that could be causing your anxiety. And man, the last couple of weeks I've been working on this message have, have been some of the best two weeks that I've had. And uh, so I'm really excited to, to be able to share this message with you all. And the bad jokes too, as well. But... Uh, um, there's a Dr. Don Graber that works with Focus on the Family, and he makes a comment or a statement about anxiety disorders, and I just want to read that as we dive in. Anxiety disorders are much more than simple jitters or nervousness. The feelings of fear and anxiety that accompany them can be debilitating. The good news is that help is available, and these conditions can be managed with the proper combination of medical and psychological care and spiritual support. This last element is extremely important as anxiety disorders can challenge the notion that God is a loving father who is trustworthy and cares for us and is in control of all things. If you know of someone who is dealing with an anxiety disorder, encourage them to consider the benefits of Christian counseling, pastoral care, and the support of a strong faith community. Combined with other forms of care, these can help people struggling with anxiety to live a vibrant and effective life for Christ. So having said all that, we're not belittling or downplaying medicine or or counseling at all. We have some fantastic Christian counselors that actually attend this church and are part of this congregation. But we're going to focus today on the spiritual element. And for me, this has been powerful. So I want to jump right in. Um, First scripture that we want to cover, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I believe we have a slide for it. This is Paul talking to church at Corinth and uh, he, he had been dealing with some issues there at the church, but uh, he also wanted them to understand that uh, he was vulnerable as well. He said in, uh, we'll pick it up in uh, about the midway of through chap- uh, verse 7 of chapter 12. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulty. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That brings me to my first point. God's power is made perfect in weakness from that scripture. And I was sharing with the first service. To me, that is one of the most confusing, hard-to-comprehend scriptures in the Bible. And it's, it's just because the way it's worded, but, uh, I mean, there's, he says he delights in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. 
I just be honest with you folks, I do not do that. <laughs> um, well, I'm not the Apostle Paul either, but I get the feeling that we're called to do that. So we need to learn more, apparently, and we need to apply more of God's word in our lives if we're ever going to get there. He said that uh, it was a messenger of Satan sent to torment him. Some people have said that's a sickness or a disease. Some people have said that it was anxiety because he, he even confessed in another place that the cares of the churches sometimes overwhelmed him. Personally, I kind of think that's what it was. I mean, he was just, because of experience and what I experienced in the middle of the night, sometimes it just feels like you're being tormented. And you know you're not supposed to think that way, and you can't stop it. It's, it's almost a form of madness. And I think that's what anxiety disorder can be. Um, but whatever the reason, God's response to Paul was what confuses me the most. He says, my grace is sufficient, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And when I, when I read that literally straight off of the, the page, I think, well, how is God's power not already perfect? You know, why does he need our weakness to make his power perfect? And through some prayer and, and further diving into the study, I realized that what he's saying there is that his power is made perfect in us through weakness. In other words, as long as we think we're strong and we've got this, God can't be strong in our lives because he just kind of says, okay, you want me hands off? You got this. And uh, it's just not true. You know, there's a temptation when some of us who don't preach that often come up here and then one of the elders like, I, actually, I just did this last week and made me think of it. Austin was getting ready to go up and I, was, I almost patted him on the back and said, you got this. And I thought, no, that's not the right thing to say. What I said was, God's with you, you know, and I'll be praying for you. So God's power in our lives is made perfect in weakness. Well, how does that work? What's the, the key to unlocking that? And, and Austin asked the question last week, is anxiety and weakness a sin? Um, you know, in the Bible, there's 365 times where the words coming from God to us words is fear not or some similar command like that. So 365 times, how many days in the year are there? Anybody? Anybody? 365. Now, we've decided doing the math, and I'm... I'm a math wizard. That, that means in the year, leap year, you can worry for one day. <laughs> the other four years, nope, you've got to be not afraid. And again, those, those can be just words on the page if you don't understand how God is working in our lives and what he wants to do for us. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're diving into. And I hope you all get as much out of this as I've gotten out of it studying. I want to read... Um, there's an author who did some uh, research on anxiety and whether it was a sin or not for Christianity Today, the magazine. And I want to just read a quote from her. Her conclusion was that uh, basic worrying and anxiety are not sins, but there does come a time when they can become a sin. When we choose to listen to the voice of worry rather than the voice of God, the Bible is very clear that we are to put him first in our lives. I'll read that last one again. The Bible is very clear that we are to put him first in our lives. So I'll tell you a, just a quick story. I went to a church in Arizona where I used to live, and uh, they had built some offices in the front of the church, and basically built too many. 
and I don't know if they expected to have a big staff or what, but there was about five offices. They were exactly the same. They're all across the front of the church. And so you walked in, they were to the left, there was windows. And um, we decided to turn those into prayer rooms. And during the service or after the service, you could go, and there was a team in each one of those rooms that would pray for you. It's a fairly large church. I mean, it wasn't huge, but it was large. And uh, I signed up after I'd gone there. Well, I signed up to be on one of the teams. Well, lo and behold, one of my first times um, being in the prayer room, up walks my best friend's mother-in-law for prayer. And I'll just be honest, we didn't see eye to eye. She, she was always finding fault with my best friend, so I was always taking his side. Now, she didn't go to that church. She was there visiting. And uh, I thought, how ironic is this? Um, I was not the leader of that prayer team, so I just kind of, I'm going to let him handle her. <laughs> you know, I stepped back. And uh, she asked for prayer, and, and there was just basically some anxiety and fears and things that were crushing her. And you could just see she was locked up. I mean, if you ever see a person that's just locked up, and you, you can't even hardly talk to them, and she couldn't get the words out of her clenched teeth. And uh, so the fellow that was with me, he started praying for him. Well, it's had at least one woman, so that there was a man and a woman there and me. And uh, they were praying for her, and I was just taking a back seat. And I felt like God called this verse to my attention. And I just thought, well, that's strange. So I, I was praying about it, and he said again, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then it ends with, for when I am weak, then I am strong, is what Paul said. And I felt like God was telling me, this is Roberta's problem, is she won't get out of God's way. She's blocking him from being able to do anything in her life. So I read this verse I, after the others are done praying. They didn't say amen, so I jumped right in. And I said, I, I think I've got a verse for you. And... Uh, I read this verse real quick, and then I, I just prayed. And in the middle of prayer, I said these words. It was something to the effect, don't quote me on this, but it was something, God help her to be weak, to just step aside and let you rule her life. And when I did, the floodgates opened. She just busted out crying, sobbing. And we were there 15, 20 minutes as, as she just kind of let all of it go. And uh, it was really a breakthrough for her. And a breakthrough in our relationship because for the first time in my life, I had compassion for her instead of just seeing her as a, uh, a pain, so to speak. And, uh, but I learned a lot from that, even though it was really God speaking to her, is that um, we, we've got to learn to get out of God's way a lot of times. And uh, it's easier said than done, right? So that's why we're talking about it today. So um, Jesus himself, he had a lot to say about worry and anxiety, but one specific scripture was uh, during the Sermon on the Mount. He said this in Matthew 6, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be yours as well, or will be given to you as well. So what's he telling us to do? Don't worry, but seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Uh, I read a couple of translations, and one of them says, seek God's coming kingdom and his way of doing things. So that's where our focus is supposed to be. It's not to be anxious about what we need, what we have or don't have, but just to focus on, on God's kingdom. Because he tells us we're really foreigners and aliens now in this world. 
And so it's, it's kind of a, a difficult place to navigate. You're living in a world that you no longer belong to. But that's where the help comes from. That's when God's really able to help us because he understands how to live in his kingdom, how to walk with him. And he's, he wants to help us. As a matter of fact, that brings me to my second point. Throughout history, God's people have failed because of weakness. And yet he doesn't abandon his children. Now you think, well, that's all fine, but am I really a child of God? Yes. The scripture says clearly in First John, John 3.1, John said this. He said, see how much our father loves us? For he calls us his children. And that is what we are. We are his children. He calls us that God, the creator of the universe, of all the galaxies, of everything we can see and not see, has chosen you as his child. Max Lucado um, wrote a book that was based on the scripture that this series is also based on called Anxious for Nothing. And I've been on Max's kind of informal, I, I don't get paid, but I've been on his survey list and uh, marketing team for years where we get to help pick him, the covers, we get to help pick the title of the books, um, sometimes input on the themes, the themes of the book, and also the subtitles. And he, he sent this to me, I can't remember how long ago, it, it's not been out that long, a few years back. And he, for helping choose this, um, those of us on the team got a free copy of the book, an autographed copy, and I, I tried to find it, I couldn't. Um, I've moved several times over the last few years, and I'm sure it's in a box somewhere. But uh, it was just, a, it was a powerful book. And so I've taken some quotes from that book, and, and I want to read a few of them to you. But the first one is about, literally about being a child of God. And he, Max tells this story. When a father leads his four-year-old son down a crowded street, he takes him by the hand and he says, hold on to me. He doesn't say to his child, memorize the map or take your chances dodging the traffic or let's just see if you can find your way home. No, the good father gives the child but just one responsibility. You know what that is? He says, hold on to my hand. And that's what God's saying to us today. When you walk out of here today, remember that God's telling you, hold on to my hand. I've got this. Not you got this. I've got this. So that brings me to my next scripture. We live by faith, not by sight. That's in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We live by faith, not by sight. That's not saying that we just close our eyes and, and try to navigate life with our eyes closed. But we look to God for direction. He's our built-in compass. You know, when you, uh, when you navigate by sight, it's the human tendency. If you see trouble ahead, you see danger, it's, uh, you've heard the saying, stranger danger, <laughs> you know. You see, you see the trouble and, you, and you're, you would take a step back. You back up. You know, you, you may even want to run from trouble. But when we're walking in faith and a situation like that comes up, through prayer we're able to see the trouble, see the difficulty, and say, get in there. God's saying, get in there. Be a, be a part of the solution. I'll give you an example. In Luke uh, chapter 8, and I don't think I have a slide for this. God just kind of gave me this illustration from the Bible. Um, Luke 8, 
verses 22 through 25, if you've got your Bibles. Um, Jesus, you may remember the story, Jesus told the disciples that after a long day of ministry, he said, let's get in the boat and let's cross to the other side of the lake. And so they got in the boat and they started out. And we'll pick it up in uh, verse 23. He said, it says, as they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. I said, it must have been a Sunday afternoon because that's, that's what we do, right? On Sunday afternoon, they settled down for a nap. So they're in this boat. Soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. Fierce storm. The boat was filling with water. So that's a fierce storm. The boat's filling with water. I've done a lot of boating, and usually you get a little water. It was filling up, and they were in real danger, the scripture says. So the disciples went to Jesus and woke them up. Master, master, we're going to drown. And Jesus woke up. He rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. And then he asked them, where is your faith? And the disciples were terrified and amazed and said, who is this man? Even when he gives a command, the winds and the waves obey him. I've always thought it was just a little bit harsh on Jesus' part. I mean, where's your faith? I mean, was there anybody else in that boat that could have stopped that storm? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, we don't see that anywhere else in the scripture where Peter stands up and says, Be still! Storms come. And this storm came, caught him off guard. Everybody but Jesus, he was taking a nap. So why did he rebuke them for their lack of faith? Was it because they couldn't stop the storm or that they were afraid? Now, I think it was because they didn't trust his word. And he said, hey, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. And then he was right there with them. He wanted them to trust him, that what he said was true, that they could have confidence in him. He, he wanted them to lay down and take a nap and rest with him. To trust what he had to say. And uh, I've got a, a, a dear friend that goes to this church that uh, she was one of the folks that we've recently done some videos on and testimony. And I, I think her testimony really um, kind of lines up with this message. So I just want to kind of take a break real quick and uh, let's listen to Cynthia and then uh, I'll come back. I was blessed to have loving parents who uh, raised me in the church and raised my sister and me with uh, reading scripture and prayer. Um, even as a young child, I would write in a diary, but I would write to God and um, ask him questions. It's funny, I just found my old journal from when I was a young child, um, just asking a bunch of, bunch of questions to Jesus. and. Um, but as I grew older uh, and had left my, my home, my childhood home, and was out on my own, um, I started attending a different church than my parents, obviously, and started learning different aspects of God. And um, I can recall a time in my early 20s when I went to a Curcio um, weekend retreat and that's where I learned about having a relationship with uh, God the Father and Jesus as not just my Savior, but also a friend. Um, and I, I guess in a way, I recommitted 
myself to God during that Curcio weekend because I had learned a little bit more about who God is. And then uh, as I got older, um, Lou and I went through um, 10 years of um, satanic assault and I kept asking, why is this happening? We, I've been a good Christian. I've been going to church. We have been going to church. We've been praying. We've been doing all the right things. And I had seen God as a holy Santa Claus, that if we did the right things, um, we wouldn't have all this bad things, all these bad things happening to us. And uh, I learned again, I learned something new about God, that God was not a holy Santa Claus, that bad things do happen. Death happens, destruction happens, financial um, uh, ruin happens um, because of our sins and because of the sins of others and that I learned that we are not alone. God is with us during those bad things. God is with us. And I also learned that I'm not good. Um, I learned that I do sin and that others sin and yet God is still good. God is still with us. Um, I learned that God is my God no matter what and that he grieves with us and that he um, he gets us through he provides the strength to get through things that we thought we could never get through and I feel even closer to God now so does my husband Lou we know that we now know that God is in the Holy Santa Claus, um, that He is with us through and through, and that He provides what we need when we need it, and that His provision is the absolute best. Do I still struggle in my faith? Absolutely. When God says no, I still get mad um, at Him. But I feel close enough to be able to tell him I'm mad at him. And I feel close enough to hear his loving answer to me, that he's still embracing me and that he still calls me to grow and to learn more about him. Amen, a powerful testimony. I know Cynthia didn't go into a lot of details, but they went through um, some tremendous attacks in the course of their marriage. And, uh, but what was her takeaway from all that? God is still embracing me. God is good. God is with me. God is with us. And honestly, it, you know, just like Jesus rebuked the disciples and said, where is your faith? His point is, I am with you. You don't need to be afraid. 
He's calling me. That brings me to my next point. We want, we want to get the words off the page and into our lives, right? So one of the things I think we need to do is we desperately need to pray for direction and create a pattern in our lives, in our individual lives, of daily dependence, daily dependence on God. Let me read you a scripture from uh, James chapter 4. Do you think that the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. He gives grace generously. What is he saying here? It says, as the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. There's a couple of key things here to, to note. He gives grace generously. What is he given there? What is the grace? You know, he said that to Paul, my grace is sufficient. Paul's like, take this thing, it's thorn away from me. And, and God's response is, don't worry, my grace is sufficient. What the heck are you supposed to do with that? Are they just words? And James says it's here. Do you think the scriptures or the word, the written word, has no meaning? Yes, it has meaning. In this particular word, the use of grace means that he keeps us or he strengthens us. That's something that we can take to the bank, right? Humble yourself before God. Then you resist the devil and he'll flee. It doesn't say resist the devil and he'll flee. It says humble yourselves before God. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace. He strengthens. He keeps you if you're humble. You know, I've said before from up here, if you remember, that there's two things that really keep you or keep God from being able to help you. You think God is almighty, all-powerful, but there are two things that will keep him from being able to help you. Fear. If you're totally swallowed up in the fear, he struggles to help you because he needs you to trust him, that he's good, that he loves you. And pride. The scripture talks about that pride. If you say... It's okay, God, I got this. He's like, okay. <laughs> it just flashed in my mind a scene from uh, Bruce Almighty <laughs> where he basically told, uh, I can't remember the, the actor who played God, but he told him, you know, I got this. And he felt like he had a rhythm and uh, things went bad. <laughs> and that's what happens in our lives. If we tell God, I got this, he lets us. He lets us be the God of our own lives, and it usually ends in disaster. At least it has for me. James ends this, this scripture with this, these words. He says, verse 8, come close to God, and God will come close to you. See, the initiative, the, the impetus is on us first. We come close to God. Let's not blame God and get angry with God if he's not close to us, if we haven't even made an attempt or an effort to reach out to him. He says, come close to God, and this is what's going to happen. God will come close to you. That's awesome. That's powerful. That's what we need. You know, there's another story in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, and Jesus was visiting some friends of his in Bethany, Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And uh, Mary was, uh, she sat at the Lord's feet listening to the things that he had to say. Martha, on the other hand, was distracted 
by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to Jesus and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And honestly, if, I mean, sometimes when I'm here at, the, at church, it takes two services for me to get the message that Mike's given because there's a lot going on. There might be distractions. There might be, we had today, we had some technical issues. And that busyness will distract me. But I do my best to try to pick up the whole thing through the two services. And if I don't get it, I'll go back and watch it online. Because I've just seen over the years that God uses this church to reach people, to teach people. And I'm so grateful for that. But you know what Jesus said to Martha? She's distracted by so many things. And Jesus answered her. Verse 41. You are worried and upset. He said, Martha, Martha. I think that's kind of, that's kind of, that's really getting your attention, you know. Larry, Larry. He says, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So what Jesus is saying is the one thing that is truly needed, what was it? Mary was sitting and listening to Jesus. She was getting as close, she was sitting at his feet. She was as close to him as anybody could get while he was speaking. Because she wanted to know what God was saying to her. One thing is needed, and it will not be taken away from her. And it was just like when Jesus said, Seek ye first God's kingdom and his way of doing things, and everything else will be added to you. And Jesus said here, one thing is needed. So this brings me to my fifth point. How do we get to that point? Jesus isn't here. I can't sit at his feet. But we have a way, don't we? You know, the common terminology is prayer. We call it prayer. Our fifth point is our daily prayer should be, I will trust God today. Do you wake up in the morning and that's the first thing that comes in your mind is, I will trust God today. You know, it wasn't always that way for me. But these days I, I wake up in the morning and, and I just say, and I do this, on, it's an, I'm intentional about it. It's not like it just rolls out of me. I, I say, good morning, Jesus. Thank you for another day. And it's been interesting. I'm starting to hear him say it back. Good morning, Larry. I can hear it. I can feel it. Not audibly, but I just know, I know he's there. And if I can get anything across you today, it's that you know that. That Jesus is here. He's not worried. He's not upset. It doesn't matter what tidal wave is coming your way. He's here with you. He cares about you. He's good and he loves you. You are his child. Max said in his book, Max Lucado, the path to peace is paved with prayer. I want to read you uh, a scripture out of a, a translation we don't use a lot here, but the purpose of the Amplified translation is it kind of takes the King James Version and adds in any other hidden meanings to a word or a phrase. And so we're going to read John 14, 26 from the Amplified and uh, yeah, we have it up here. But the helper, and then he's expounding on that word helper to give all the kind of Greek connotations for that word. The helper, the comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, the, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name 
in other words, in my place to represent me. That's a typo I made, sorry. To represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. So he's not left us alone. He's sending the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengther, somebody to stand by you in times of trouble. And it's the person of the Holy Spirit. So we pray. We talk to God. The Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf and helps us to pray. Especially when it comes to some other loved ones in our lives that might be struggling. We don't always know what's best for them. And so we pray and we ask God. Like I did with my friend that day. It's like, I don't know how to help her. I didn't even really want to help her. I, you know, make some confessions up here I probably shouldn't. But I'm not always the most compassionate person. And I didn't like this lady. You know, we argued a lot. And God opened up my heart to her. Broke my heart for her. And we left there different. Changed. That's what God wants for us. The name of this series that we're calling is anxious for nothing and uh, it comes from the book of philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 7 easily one of my favorite verses in the bible i have to remind myself of this a lot i'll read it to you do not be anxious about anything about anything but in every situation every situation by prayer and petition Petition is kind of like saying, this is what I need. This is what I want. Or at least this is what I think I need. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God which transcends all understanding, which is beyond comprehension, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's some points here that we need to recognize from the scripture. One is we're not supposed to be anxious in any, or we, we should not be anxious in every situation, but we should pray and petition God. We should be thankful. Gratitude goes a long way, I'll tell you. We need to present our request to God, and then, in spite of the tidal wave that we feel like is crashing down on us, the peace of God will descend upon us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know what it does? That peace of God. It says, guards your heart and mind. That's what I need at 3.30 in the morning when I'm worrying about, every, about whether my IRS payments are going to go through or they're going to audit me or if the business is going to go under. I need supernatural peace beyond what I can just reason because all reason tells me sometimes is that that tidal wave is going to crash down on me. Anybody relate? Am I the only one that goes through this? But we don't have to live in fear. If we pray and we're grateful, he sends us the Holy Spirit and he sends us his peace. And it guards us, it stands guard, it protects our minds, it protects our hearts. He loves us. He's with us. He's good. I want to give you, uh, as the praise team comes back up, I want to give you one final quote from the book, Anxious for Nothing, from Max Lucado, and I call this the statement of trust. I'm going to read it to you first, and then we're going to read it together because I think there's power in speaking things into our lives. There it is. Up somewhere. Today I will live today. Yesterday has passed. 
Tomorrow is not yet. I'm left with today. So today, I will live today. Relive yesterday? No. I will learn from it. I will seek mercy for it. I will take joy in it, but I won't live in it. The sun has set on yesterday. The sun has yet to rise on tomorrow. Worry about the future? To what gain? It deserves a glance, nothing more. I can't change tomorrow until tomorrow. Today I will live today. I will face today, today's challenges with today's strength. I will dance today's waltz with today's music. I will celebrate today's opportunities with today's hope. Today. So now let's read this together. Let's say it out loud. Everybody speak it. And you may not memorize this, although I've got some copies over here at the desk. But just be comfortable with the idea that today is the day the Lord has made. And we rejoice and we're glad in it. Let's read it together. Today, I will live today. Yesterday has passed. Tomorrow is not yet. I'm left with today. So today, I will live today. Relive yesterday? No, I will learn from it. I will seek mercy for it. I will take joy in it, but I won't live in it. The sun has set on yesterday. The sun has yet to rise on tomorrow. Worry about the future? To what gain? It deserves a glance, nothing more. I can't change tomorrow until tomorrow. Today I will live today. I will face today's challenges with today's strength. I will dance today's waltz with today's music. I will celebrate today's opportunities with today's hope. Today. So what did we learn? We learned that God is here. He's with us. He's good. He's a good father. He loves us. And he wants us to take the words off the page of the Bible, off the screen, even, even the things that I've said, and learn how to apply them in our lives. And it starts with prayer. So we're going to pray. We call this our response time here. And you can, you can go up to the cross and pray. There's there's some forms up there you can fill out and submit your prayer requests and the elders pray over them every week. You can sit right in your chair and just pray. You can stand and sing with the worship team. This particular song they're going to do has been in my heart and mind for the last couple of weeks. It just helps me to see that, that God is the answer to all of life's questions. We might not know right off the top of our head what those answers are. A lot of times the light that God shows us only goes a little way. And we have to step into that light and then he gives us a little more. He leads us along the path. And we do that through prayer and through obedience, humbling ourselves. And we're not full of fear because we trust in him. Let's pray. Lord, when I first met you, I, I turned to you and I just said, help. I didn't know what to do. And there may be some here, Lord, that they don't know what to do. They may not even know you, but they just sense that you are real. Help them to call on you for help. Help us to understand that you are good, that you love us, that we can trust you, that we can put our faith in you. It's just not natural. The world is, is a crazy place to live. And we're called to, to be separate from the world and yet to still continue in it for the time being. And so to do that, Lord, we need help. We desperately need your help. And we need to learn to seek it every day, to start our day and end our day, thanking and being grateful to you for your help. Oh, Lord, just fill us full of your spirit. Teach us what we need to know. 
and give us that peace, Lord, that peace that passes understanding that's beyond comprehension so that we can walk in this life until you come again. In Jesus' name we pray.